said behold you will you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus then Mary said to the angel how can this be since verse 34 since I am a virgin and the angel said that is Gabriel said and answered her the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. It's not going to be Joey's son. It's not going to be your son. It's the Son of God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Repeat that with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Turn to the person next to you and say, and that means for you too. Nothing yeah, nothing's going to be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. Verse 40, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, then spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed is she who believed those things which were told her of the Lord. Blessed is this person who believes. I, I want to speak to you on the subject, believe. Believe. I, I want to use this opportunity to prepare you for next year. This season in our religious calendar, our liturgical calendar is called Advent. And Advent means the coming. Advent means, the word Advent means the coming or the, or the arrival. And this is a season where we take the next four weeks or the first four weeks in December and we celebrate the awaiting of Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate. Um, and there are four themes through which, uh, of which uh, guide and drive each week of Advent. Last week, the thing that the theme of Advent was hope. And everybody's hoping for a good end of the year, and a and, and I hope you're hopeful for 2020. Then the theme for this week is believe, uh, faith. The theme for the following week is joy, and then the theme for the week of uh, Christmas is peace. 
I, unfortunately, I, I have grown very, I hate to say this, but I, I've grown to a place or had grown to a place where Christmas was an annoyance. Christmas was like, just get this over with. And if if you've been around on earth any length of time, you'll discover that that the Christmas season keeps moving back to the point that you know, the Christmas decorations go up in the store as soon as Halloween's over. Are you with me? And and of course, living in the house that I live in, um, with the Hallmark Channel, uh, my God, they're showing Christmas shows in September. Ain't nobody trying to see snow in September. And and so, what happens is that my mind and spirit was getting jaded and letting the culture influence my viewpoint of Christ coming to the earth to save me. I'm annoyed with Santa Claus and reindeers and the drummer boy and the three wise guys and and the mall and shopping and what am I going to get for people who don't need anything? Turn your neighbor and say, that means you. Okay. Some of you still have clothes in your closet that still have the tag on it. Okay, this is self-confession time. How many of you have ever cleaned out your closet and said, oh, I didn't know I had this. Can I raise your hand? Okay, okay. See, some of you are like, I don't want to show. And you keep your hands down because you want your Christmas gifts. I, I see, I see, I see. And so for me to stir up my my perspective of Christ mass, Christ mass, mass means when you, if you were raised in a Catholic home or if you went to Catholic school like I did, mass means celebration. And so Christ mass is a celebration of Christ, not a celebration of Rudolph. Not a celebration of you getting gifts. Not a celebration of Frosty, the snowman. No, it is a celebration of Christ. Of somebody said Jesus. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> so, Sister um, um, Kia sent me this text message of a book that she had been going through called. The Advent Conspiracy by Rick McKinley. And what and, and so I said, let me read this book. And, and, and uh, Pastor Rick says something that struck me. He said, Advent moves, I love this, Advent moves Christmas from the mall to the manger. Mm -hmm. And Advent moves given presents to being a presence. Are you hearing me? Because it's so much easier. If you're like me, how many of you have people who are asking you for money like like uh, panhandlers and they ask you for money 
are you with me? And, and, you, and you give them money because you really, you're, you're paying them to get rid of them. Can I? Okay, see, I, look, this is a guilt-free zone. This is a guilt-free zone. You're like, like, here's his money. Stop bothering me. Get out of my life. Can I get a witness out there? Anybody out there? Say, okay, I guess I'm the only one. Thank you. That's all right. Uh, God will forgive you. We said that, so when Advent, when you're hoping we, and, you, and you're waiting for something, we said there's two kinds of waiting. There is passive waiting, which is like this, which is like this. You're waiting for your flight, and it's been delayed. And some of you, you're waiting for your dream to come true. You're waiting for your job. You're waiting for your career. You're waiting to get married. You're waiting for your love. You're waiting. And when it doesn't come the way when you want it to come, because your bags are all packed and you're waiting to go, and nothing's happening. And so some of us are passively waiting, but we're just kind of saying, okay, God, you know, you, you tap me on the shoulder. Wake me up when you're ready to move. But God doesn't want active, I mean, passive waiters. He wants active waiters. And this is an active waiter. He, he, wants, he wants active waiters. He wants people who are serving. He wants people who have a smile on their face even when there's nothing to smile about. He wants people who are serving while they wait. Mm. This word believes an interesting word. Because Elizabeth says to Mary, you're blessed because you believe the things that were told to you. The word believes a Greek word because the Bible in the New Testament was written in Greek. It says to think to be true or to think, think to be real, to place confidence in, to be convinced, to accept as real, to have faith. And so this angel comes to this virgin and says and, and, and what you don't know is that Mary is only about 14, 15, 16 years old. She's not a grown woman. She's a teenager. And the angel comes to her and says to her, you're going to have a baby. Well, you already had two, but you're going to just work with me here. <laughs> you're going to have a baby. And she says, look, I took biology 101 and I'm a virgin. Uh, as far as I know, according to the lessons I had in high school, I'm not supposed to have a baby. And yet she believed. She, she accepted what the angel said as if it was real because it was. Because she says to the angel, let what you said happen to me. I believe it. I believe it. And, I, I'm, and so I'm here to say, I want to give you another twist on the word believe. Because many of us think believe and faith is simply mental assent. So I believe you're a, uh, a black man, particularly from Haiti. I believe that you're Caucasian. I believe that you're female. I believe you're on a keyboard. I believe, no, I, I accept that mentally, but believe and faith is a whole lot more than just a mental ascension. 
The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 20 and 26, faith without works is dead. In other words, don't tell me you have faith unless you're doing something to back up your faith. Are you following me so far? So when you, when you, so when you look at this word believe, uh, be, it means to exist. So to be or not to be, that is the question. To exist or not to exist. And that word exist in Latin means to stand up or stand out. So when we're talking about believe, we're talking about stand up and the word stand up and leave. Stand up and leave. Where are you from, sir? Nigeria. And you got accepted to Berkeley? And you believed? So you got up and left Nigeria. You didn't sit there saying, oh, I got in Nigeria. I got in, Nigeria. I got in Berkeley. Oh, this is wonderful. And people are like, well, what are you still doing in Lagos? Someday I'm going to be invited to Nigeria. What are you doing to show that you believe? Turn to the person next to you and say, what have you left? I'm on a diet. What have you left? (laughs) (laughs) The word leave means to get out. The word leave means what? Have you renounced? What have you (laughs) abandoned? What have you departed from? What have you quit? What what have you left? (laughs) If you really believe, what have you left? If, if you really believe, what are you getting out of? I mean, if you really believe. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Let me press the pause. Sunday school te- students and teachers, you may leave. Why continue, continue to give the rest of the congregation a whooping? Only kidding. Is everybody tracking with me so far? I, I, I want to talk to you about the fact that if you really believe, you're going to have to leave some things. You're going to have to get out of some things. You're going to have to abandon some things. You're going to have to renounce some things. You're going to have to depart from some things. You're just going to have to quit doing some things if you believe. There's two things you're going to have to leave if you're going to really believe. You're going to have to leave your perspective and you're going to have to leave your position. Oh, this is good. The Christmas story has about four or five major characters. Elizabeth, Zachariah, Mary Joseph, the wise men, 
the shepherds, even Herod, and the religious leaders. Are you following me so far? Mary has to leave her perspective if she's going to receive what God has for her. What is, this, what is the perspective Mary has to leave? She has to leave her perspective that the only way you can have children is through a sexual relationship. Now all of a sudden this angel comes out of nowhere and says, you're going to have a child and you're pregnant right now. And she has to change her perception, her, pers- her perspective. Give me five right here. She has to change her perspective of how God is doing this new thing. See, some of you, God wants to do a new thing, but you have an old perspective and you're unwilling to leave your old perspective. So he can't do a new thing. So all you have, all you have is a new year with the same old things. Mm. Always going to get more heavier. And then you have Joseph. Joseph's name in Hebrew means may the Lord add to me. May the Lord bring increase to me. This is what Joseph's name means in Hebrew. May the Lord add to me. May the Lord bring increase to me. May the Lord do it again. Simply, may the Lord do it. So God is trying to add something to Joseph's life that he did not have. Anybody know who Joseph's father was? Of course not, because no one cares. No, no, just, just, I'm, I'm serious here. What was Joseph's profession? Carpenter. That was his job position, carpenter. The angel comes to him and says, Joseph, son of David. That went right over your head. Who was David? He was a king. He says, he doesn't say Joseph, son of Jacob. Because Jacob was his natural father. He says, you're not a carpenter. You're a king. I know your circumstances right now is the fact that the Roman government has got you under his thumb. But mm, give me five. I've come to remind you that you're a king. What is God trying to remind you of? What have you allowed circumstances to mold your mind into thinking that you can't do what God says you can do? Could God be saying, I need you to get rid of your old perspective? I need you to get rid of your old position. What was the position Joseph had? Joseph's position was this woman who I'm engaged to says she's going to, she's pregnant. So my position is I am going to divorce her. And God is like, no, dude. You, 
have been chosen. This is deep. You have been chosen. What, what if God said to you, you have been chosen to be my son's stepfather? See, you read this story like, oh, you know, the little baby, a little son of Bethlehem. <laughs> you are a carpenter. And an angel comes up to you and says, God wants you to be, God wants you to adopt his son and raise, how do you raise God? You see, how do you raise God? You're a smart, okay, smart guy. How do you raise God? God have no idea. Have no idea. You, you're the heavenly father and you're asking me to raise your son who's going to be the hope of the entire world. I'm just trying to make tables and chairs. I ain't trying to do all that. <laughs> and yet, you have been impregnated with something that belongs to God. It's called purpose. He didn't just so happen to be born with certain desires and passions. God put them there. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15, God works in you so that you can work out what he worked in you. I don't know why I always want to help people. I think I'll just be, you know, in a service by myself. No, you have a passion for people. God put that there. You're always inviting people over your house. Always entertaining, always, you know, reaching out. God put that there. He didn't put that in me, hallelujah, but he put that in. <laughs> put that. He put that. When we bought our house, I made sure there was only three rooms. Mm -hmm. One for me, one for Jessica, one for Vanessa. The family, oh, can we stay? Ah, oh, no, no room in the end. No room. <laughs> No, we got a tent in the backyard if you want one. <laughs> got a garage, but you ain't. No, only kidding. <sighs> Mary had to believe. Joseph had to believe. He had to. He had to get rid of his position. He had to abandon his position. Mm. The wise men had to. Believe. They saw a star and they travel 500 miles following a star. That's probably like from here to Washington. Not with no Amtrak. Where are you guys going? We're just following the star. The shepherds left their sheep. Because they believed. 
Isn't it interesting that everybody who believed left and everybody who didn't believe stayed? Herod hears the news of the newborn king and doesn't leave. The religious leaders hear the news of this king who they've been studying for for four centuries and, could, and, and couldn't even travel a few miles to Bethlehem to find out. So let me ask you a question. What are you going to leave in 2019? You're not going in simply into a new year. You're going into a new decade. You're going into a new season. What are you going to leave in 2019 and say to that thing, you're not coming into 2020 with me. Some of you need to get rid of a stinking attitude. Let me just look at the clock because I'm not getting any help. Some of you need to leave and get rid of your negative attitude. It can't happen for me. What, what are you going to get rid of? Some, mm, some of you need to get rid of some friends. I'm quiet in here. I need to get some help here because she better for words. Some people need to get rid of some friends. I'll never forget one of my job on my job. I saw I, I, I in the copy machine I saw this this sheet that said I'll never forget it because it is 30 years ago. It says you can't fly with the eagles if you're always hanging around with turkeys. Could it be that the reason why you're not lifting off for the past 10 years is because you're hanging out with people who don't want to fly? Somebody said, show me your, fa your five closest friends and I'll show you where you're heading. What are you going to get rid of? What are you going to change? How many times, let me just look at the clock. How many times are you saying, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to start exercising. I'm, I'm going to start eating right. My New Year's resolution, right after, right after New Year's, right after I make sure I get all the food I want for Christmas and New Year's, I, I'm, this time, this time it's going to happen. What are you going to leave? What are you going to leave? What are you going to abandon? What are you going to renounce? What are you going to stop saying? Or else next year will be the same as it's always been. My dad is a believer. thing that made me really proud of my dad is that he learned to leave his perspective and he also learned to leave his position. I was raised in this church a Pentecostal holiness strict church, church. I was a church boy. 
Now, what that means is for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, that means, I think Kia shared this a couple weeks ago, I was always in church. I, how many of you all were raised in a church where there was church at least three times a day? Anybody? Okay, good. Every church. I mean, church in the morning, church in the, and church, church, church. No. There's a song called Work, 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 Work. I was church, 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 church. Okay, no. you caught that. Anyways, back to the sermon. So, I go to this Catholic school, David, that decide, well, they didn't decide. I didn't know it because I, you know, when I, I wanted to play football and all the public schools, you play football on Saturday. I just assumed that you play football on Saturday. So I got accepted to Matinon. It was the hand of God. I don't know how I got in, but I got in. And they said, oh, our games are on Sunday. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, my father is not going to go for that. See, you need to understand that Sunday was the Lord's day all day. Anybody raised in a church? I mean, all day. Like, 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 I'm talking about old school. Like, 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 you didn't even, you didn't, you didn't do, you didn't do wash. You didn't wash your clothes on Sunday. My, my mother didn't wash clothes on Sunday. It, that's you ironed all your stuff. Can I get a witness out there? Not too many witnesses, but you ironed all your stuff on Saturday night. No work was to be done on Sunday. As a child, you don't go out to play on Sunday. You are confined to the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My father was, my parents were liberal. They allowed me to go in the driveway. My friends are not church people, so they couldn't understand how Monday through Saturday I'm out in the street playing kickball, playing football, but Sunday I'm standing behind the fence like a prisoner of war. My brother kicks the ball in the street, and I'm like, hey, Bobby, could you get that ball? I'm like, come on, Green, just get, no, no, I can't get the ball. Like, you, you could get the ball Saturday and, and, and Monday. What? No, I can't. I can't. Just get the ball. Come on, man. Just get the ball. And they get the ball and they throw it back in. And, like, and they're like, come on. No, no. And I was like, no, come on in. Come on. And I'm like, like I, I, I'm going to leave this whole street to come in the driveway. And I just watched my friends playing kickball. And relievio and hide and seek. And I'll say, oh, I'll see you Monday, guys. <laughs> so now I have to approach my dad and say, we play football on Sundays. And my dad, shockingly, said, I'm going to let you play football on Sundays. 
as long as you go to church on Sunday. So I started going to evening service. But my point is, is that my father left his perspective so that I could play football. But it was bigger than that because I was a good football player. And I, and I said in my mind, if, if I can't play football, I am leaving Matville. And I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for them nuns at Catholic school. Changed my whole life. And then my dad, final point, and then we'll pray. My dad, he's 14 years old. And he says, my, my dad was born during the Depression. My dad was born during a time when families went to church together. Are you hearing me? I mean, it was like, if you didn't want to go to church, as long as you're in this house, you're going to go to church. Can I get a witness, parents? Okay, you, you're going to go to church. My dad, at the age of 14, says to my grandmother, because they, they used to go to the First Holiness Church, which is now Kingdom Empowerment, near, right down the street. And he comes to his grandmother and says, I don't know, I no longer want to go to our church. He's 14 years old. I wouldn't even allow a 14-year-old to tell me that now. He's 14 years old, and he says, I want to go to Pentecostal Tabernacle. All his brothers and sisters are going to First Holiness Church. My grandfather is a deacon. My mother, my grandmother is a preacher there. And my grandmother, I'm amazed, she allows my father to go at 14 years old to Pentecostal Tabernacle. And you may say, what's the big deal? The big deal is that he left his position, his place, to come here. He's not thinking that someday his son is going to pastor this church. He doesn't, he, do, he doesn't, if he doesn't come here, I'm not here. See, your leaving may affect generations. Some of us are so short-sighted, we don't understand that our, our decisions in 2019 could affect our grandchildren yet to be born. So ask the person next to you, what are you going to leave in 2019? Sometimes leaving your position, help me out, Sister Anita, my last point. Sometimes leaving your position means to stay. I've had enough of you. I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to leave you. And God says, leave your position of leaving
I'm sick of this job. I'm going to leave. Leave your position of leaving and quitting that job and stay. Why you want me to stay? They're not treat me right. Exactly. You need some discipline to, to be willing to stay when things aren't going the way you want them to go. Because you spent all your life running from challenges. Tell your neighbor, say, he's talking about you right now. Don't get mad. He's talking about you. Some of you are runners. Some of you are runners. Some of you like raised the church. Running for my life. Running for my life. And running from relationships. Running from jobs. And maybe this year God is saying, stay. Get some discipline. Get some backbone. Carry some responsibility. Stay. Wait it out. Be patient. 